You're listening to G'day World 134 for the 19th of June 2006. G'day Cam. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> Not bad, how are you? How's yeah. the eyeball? No, oh, it's uh, red and sore, mate. Red and sore. Not to worry. Um, have a good weekend. Yeah, not bad. Well, I can't remember. Must have been great. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it was okay, mate. It's okay. Got out of hospital. Uh, you know, been recovering. Didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Had an anxiety attack. You ever have like midnight yeah. anxiety attacks? I have an anxiety attacks. Not usually why I'm, I'm in my own bed. <laughs> That's right. You normally get them in uh, international hotels. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of which, you're heading for international hotels tomorrow, aren't you? Tomorrow morning, man. Oh, oh man. I'm going to be up at like 4 a.m. For, for, I think it works out to be about 26 hours travel. I think it's... West Coast, are you heading to? Yeah. To go straight into well, we go into LA and then into and then up to San Francisco. So we're in LA for like three hours, hanging about, doing nothing. We? You going with someone else or just? Oh, you're going with Minty, aren't you? Yeah, Clay, Clay. cook from Minty. Excellent. That's right. He can convince me I should go. There you go. Excellent. That just should be a good fun trip for you guys. Yeah, look, it's a long trip. <clears throat> it's a long trip, but. Uh, you know, I had this anxiety attack. I just couldn't sleep last night. I'm lying there. You know, you're lying in bed thinking about all the stuff you should have done or should be doing, and, and I just couldn't sleep. I was freaking out. I had to get up. I was up till about four, not watching the World Cup, I'd like to state. For the record, anyone who uh, knows me knows that my attitude towards people watching sport is uh, pretty much the same as people watching Neighbours. Um <laughs> Probably hear the kids in the background today. It's school holidays in uh, Melbourne. Is it oh, starting right. this week for two weeks? So uh, it's going like to be a bit of fun. a whale of a time. Oh yeah, they're killing each other in there. Um, so, but Australia did lose the World Cup. Thank God is my perspective well, on that. Didn't lose the World Cup. Well, <laughs> they're out of it though, are they? No, no, they can. Oh really? Yeah, if they they've they've got Croatia, I think, in a couple of days, and if they beat Croatia, I think they should be in. It'll all come down to goals, and uh, I'm sure. But I think if they, I haven't looked this morning to be honest, because I only really just um, got up an hour ago. Um, but it, it'll probably be something like if they beat Croatia, they're in. Um, if they don't beat Croatia, they probably have no chance at all. But you see, the good thing no, that's is I enough. Think that Japan no, and Croatia played each other that's, and they drew. That's, you don't that's, care about this anyway, do you? Th- that's really enough. That's way too much information. I was just hoping they were out of the goddamn thing so there'd be something. <laughs> You've people, got at least another few days of pain to suffer, mate. It's just hoping that people would be talking about something else, for Christ's sakes. You'd think this was the most important news in the world, the people running around kicking a ball. Uh, it's the 21st century. The world's headed for bloody mutually assured destruction and everyone just wants to talk about a bunch of guys running around kicking a little ball. Be thankful they're not running around kicking your little balls. (laughs) 
um, obviously, the other big news, you know, I, I decide to go into hospital. What happens? Bill Gates resigns. <laughs> he was worried about that. Yeah, he realised he had a he had a crisis. He thought, shit, if it can, you know, Cam can be in hospital, could be me. He, he well, he was yeah, he was talking about how he's going to devote himself to world health issues, and um, you know, I Fixing think he eyeballs. Yeah, he saw the photo of my eyeball and went, oh man, that's just wrong. What am I doing wasting my time building the software business when I should be fixing Cam's eye? Um, it is, breakfast. I know, I know you're not a, you know, you're not a Gates, a file, and you come from the other camp, but, uh, you know, no matter what camp you come from, and I know he's saying, oh, nothing's going to change for the next two years, but then, then he did say, well, he says he's full time for the next two years, but then they did say that Ray Ozzie's taken on the job of chief software architect with Craig Mundy doing chief software strategy or something. I've met Craig Mundy, by the way, nice guy. Um, comes out of the supercomputer industry 20 years ago. But, um, like, so what is Gates going to be doing full time for the next two years if Ray Ozzie is now the chief software architect and, uh, Craig's the chief software strategy guy? Uh, yeah. What is Bill Playing doing? Bridge. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a big moment, man. It's it's this is a big moment that I guess uh I've been wondering for years what would happen when Gates either died or, you know, moved on, stepped down. Um now he's still gonna be chairman, uh he says, as after July two thousand and eight. Actually I've got a little clip here. This is um to their credit. Uh on the day of the announcement, Barmer and Gates went on Channel Nine, Microsoft's Video blogging site and had a bit by Scoble. Well, yeah, set up by Len Pryor and uh, Scoble, both of whom were left. Um, actually, before and I'm going to play this clip. I'll play the clip and then we'll come back and talk more. Thank you for coming. What's going on? Well, we're announcing today the start of a two-year transition for Bill to go from being full-time at Microsoft and part-time at his foundation to exactly the opposite. Part-time at Microsoft, chairman and advisor uh, to to me and the senior team, uh, and then be full-time in the foundation by July 2008. Wow, and, uh, it's a big deal, big deal. Uh, but in some senses, I think now is a great time. We got the right the right team. We've got the right help and support from Bill in the transition. We got a lot of guys ready, willing, and able to step up. Okay, so you're going to become the new uh, software chief software architect. No, <laughs> not me. Right. I'm going to make sure I surround myself, though, with a lot of great people like Ray Ozzy, our new chief software architect. Okay, so he actually is going to be the new one. He is, absolutely. All right. So this is pretty huge news, Bill. How, do you, how are you feeling? Well, it's very emotional. Uh, you know, I love the company. I love the work I do here. Uh, software is just at the beginning of, of the impact it's going to have, and Microsoft will be at the center of that. I feel good that we have such great people, uh, starting with Ray and Craig, but uh, then uh, all, of, all of the others. It's a pretty incredible team, and the world is always a, a bit over-focused on you know, my role or what I've done, and hopefully this is a chance for them to see the, the, that broad set of people. I'm totally full-time the next two years, uh, no uh, change in that, and uh, through that period, People will be picking up uh, what I do in terms of architecture and product review. And uh, we, by giving ourselves this time and uh, having this team, we don't think the company will miss a beat. And I'll always have a very strong connection and 
you know, take projects, whether, uh, I don't know if I'll pick tablet or <laughs> search or whatever it is, uh, where I can be uh, still a big help. Excellent. So you'll have sort of a consulting role, regardless of whether or not you're here or not. We have my uh, role include both being chairman, and so being uh, part of the board, and also helping out with key technical projects that uh, Steve uh, picks uh, for me to go after. And uh, So I uh, still a, a very close connection, even as I spend more time at the foundation. Fantastic. So, what does this mean for you, Steve? Any changes for you? Well, I mean, it's obviously a big change. Bill and I have worked together for 26 years. You know, Bill was my boss for 20 years, and I've been Bill's boss. <laughs> I guess you would say for yep, six years. Absolutely. And so, it's a big, it's a big change in that sense. Yet, and 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 I'm nostalgic about that. I'll I'll admit. Uh, at the same time, you know, I'm excited about the future opportunities in front of our, our company. I think our opportunities to make an impact, to change the world, to, to, to grow. I think the talented people we have here, we've just never been in as exciting a, a, a spot. So I'm, uh, I'm energized in addition to, uh, to, uh, to being a little bit uh, nostalgic. Cool. Excellent. So... Um uh, what's going on? Um, one more question. One more question. Ah, that's well, see, this is that's channel signal. Him, to him, to him. I'm not used to getting signals. Uh, yeah, that's, no, yeah. that's not a channel nine extra. It's not a channel nine thing. Short time today. All right. Sorry. So, uh, are we going to get Ray Ozzy and, and company on channel nine to talk? Absolutely. About this stuff? Uh, you know, Ray is a big believer in. Channel line and reaching out to developers, and I know he'd love to to come be part of the dialogue. Cool. In fact, I think we ought to get Ray Ozzy over here today, and we will do so right here on Channel Nine. All right. Okay. Thank you, guys. So, not a lot of new information in there, obviously, but uh, you know, a little bit touching. I, I found a little bit touching watching it on video. Barmer looked. Barmer and Gates both looked genuinely sort of emotional, <laughs> which. You know, you used to see them emotional in one way, but uh, not like that. But uh, I reckon there's a lot of, um, you know, unspoken stuff going on there. You know, you have to look. I was, I've been thinking about it. You know, Gates uh, became the chief software architect, I think, in 2000, when Barmer became CEO. And, you know, it's six years later. What's Bill really delivered? Stepping up to that role of chief software architect, you know the the pitch at the time was he was going to focus full time on the software stuff and get all the groups working better together and do this better and do that better. You know what's happened in the long and and focus on Longhorn. That was the big pitch he was going to focus on Longhorn, and you know Longhorn has just had one sort of. Do you think he do you think he did though, or do you think that was just what they? It was more like a PR statement, but in reality, he was doing the same as what he's always done, and that's you know, kind of mostly running the company and rallying the troops and being the you know, the all-seeing, all-doing demigod of Microsoft. No, no, no. I think it was genuine. I think um, I think Bill really uh, was very sort of tired and beaten around by the whole DOJ thing and the negative publicity he and the company got out of that. And, uh, you know, I think Barmer's generally been the CEO and uh, Gates has genuinely been working with the technical teams and the software kind of stuff. I mean, I guess he managed to hire Ray Aussie during that process. And, you know, that probably took 
the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've come out with some interesting stuff. They've come out with, obviously, the tablet PC since then. They've come out with the origami. They've come out with... When did Xbox come out? Around about 99, 2000, well, I think, one. the first one, yeah. Uh, yeah, geez, don't I, think my, I can't remember. don't think my All kids will... My kids weren't born, so it must have been pre-2000. Uh, it must have been, you know, well, they were born late 2000. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole Longhorn thing really still hasn't shipped. And uh, although I was just watching some screencasts of it this morning that I got off a of Frank Arrigo site, a university student in Melbourne, I think, Long Zheng, did some screencasts where he's basically, you know, just captured some video of him playing with it. Some, you know, some, not video, but, you know, captured the screen images of him playing with the latest build of Vista. And it definitely looks very slick and sexy. Yeah, I'll hand it to that. It looks very slick and sexy. But, uh, anyway, so that's, but the big announcement, I think, and, and Hugh McLeod over on his blog, Gaping Void, sort of, really drove this home in his cartoon this morning. Not the fact that Gates has announced his retirement, but the fact that Gates and Scoble, in the course of one week, both announced they were leaving Microsoft. Um, And, you know, these are probably the two most, at least, you know, to, to geeks anyway, I guess. I mean, I guess the world identifies Gates as Microsoft. And as Gates said in that video, he's not sure that that's really fair, but, uh, you know, I th- you know, he's obviously been the main guy all this time. And, um, and, uh, Scoble, who's obviously been probably the most visible mouthpiece of Microsoft, at least to the geek community in the last three years, uh, both announced they're leaving, so. And who got more, more coverage on TechMeme? Uh, um, yeah, the Scoble news, I guess. And thought about that, but I think you're right, man. Is that what you were suggesting? Yeah. Yeah. That made bigger news than uh, Gates. With Gates, everyone was like, yeah, okay, well, we kind of knew that was kind of going to happen. Figured it would. I mean, you know, it is, it's one of those big moments and, uh, and and it, it has changed the face of the tech industry, but uh, but we all kind of knew it was coming. Same as um, and I know you know and and being completely honest, it's not on the same scale. But when Scott McNeely stepped down, we all kind of knew that was happening. And uh, so I guess it's similar with Bill. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. And uh, yeah, it, it as I tried to sum up in the photos that I put up on my blog, you look at the photos between Bill. Steve Barmer, Ray Aussie, and Craig Mundy, and they look like old guys, because they are. I mean, they're all 50 plus, you know, all there with grey hair or balding and glasses. And uh, then you look at Larry and Sergey from Google, and they're these young whippersnappers still. Um, barely out of nappies, those guys. And I guess the software, you know, the, the, the software business is. Uh, being driven now by these young guys with this new vision and this new model and are trying to turn everything on its head. That's uh, and obviously, look, no one's suggesting that Microsoft's going to disappear tomorrow or that uh, Microsoft. You could have said you, the same thing was true 20 years ago. It was just it was Microsoft. You know, it was these young whippersnappers that were, you know, that looked like a bunch of nerds. On that uh, that famous photograph now of the the group of them, and uh, yeah, they were changing the face of the the tech industry, and they did. 
And, yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't didn't kill all of the companies that were around at the time. You know, there's IBM's still around, but they're they're different and slower and and similar to what Microsoft will probably be in the next few years. Yeah. Now to commemorate the uh, passing of Bill, as I like to think of it. Um, <laughs> Well, Mary Jo Foley, who writes the Microsoft Watch blog, and is a very nice lady. I met Mary Jo last year at a party <laughs> in New York. It was one of those great stories. I've been reading Mary Jo's. She's been writing the Microsoft Watch thing over on um, was it ZNet or CNET or one of these things for, for quite a few years. And, um, you know, I'd always read her stuff. And I'm at this party in, in New York. Uh, and um, this w- w- woman is introduced to me. Somebody says, "Oh, hi, Cameron. This is Mary." I go, "You're you, 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 And I say, "Yeah, you know, I'm was like, "Yeah." But uh, uh, Sam has written uh, Microsoft Safe Lots. Just remember us all that. Fully amazing. Things. Yellow. Yeah. So I don't know what was happening there, but I just had to kill that because uh, my Skype recording wasn't happy. Wasn't happy. Um, and did it record much? Yeah, I think it's all there, but I couldn't play it back, and all my audio things went crazy. I think um, an ad on uh, Mary Jo Foley's site may have uh, attacked attacked me somehow. Ah, a rogue advertisement. That's it. So anyway, I was telling this story about meeting Mary Jo Foley, the uh, Microsoft uh, following journalist over on Microsoft Watch. I met her at a party in New York late last year, and she's very nice. And she's written a, um, she's written a, th- a story here today about uh, the top ten Microsoft flops during Bill G's tenure. And uh, I like some of these. These are worth remembering. I mean, they get dragged out from time to time, but worth remembering is number one is Microsoft Bob. And uh, now Bob was released, for those who don't remember Bob, Bob was released back in 1995. And there was all this talk about the sort of next generation computing interface for Windows 3.1. And it was going to make, you know, you know it, was a, it was a worthy initiative. It was going to make computer interfaces more naturalistic, easier to interface with, something that we probably really still haven't achieved. But it was basically like a uh, 3D virtual character. I mean, most people are familiar with Clippy, the paperclip character that ended up in Office. Um, so Bob was kind of the, the the first foray into that kind of stuff and the, the dog that you have in Windows XP that says, are you searching for something? Annoying, annoying things like that. Damn, Rich, is that your phone? Nope. Oh, it's not my phone. That's weird. Um, now, interestingly enough, uh, Melinda French, um, now known as Melinda Gates, was uh, the product manager who managed the Bob project. So there you go. Um, <laughs> that, that never really, that never went anywhere. Um, the number two that Mary Jo's got up here is Windows Me, Windows Me. That came out in uh, Windows 2000, Windows Millennium Edition. Now, this was a bloody disaster. I remember <laughs> when we came out with Windows Me. It was basically, you know, they were trying to go from Windows 2000, the consumer version of Windows 2000, to XP. And it looked like XP was going to take longer to roll out than originally planned. So they kind of rolled a lot of the interface stuff 
that was due to come out in XP out as Windows Me, but it was on the old sort of code base, and it was buggy, and it just was terrible. I remember installing it on my work laptop when I was at Microsoft and uninstalling it a couple of days later because it was just... <laughs> I couldn't work with it. It was just terrible, absolutely terrible. I don't know how that one ever got out the door. Um... Now, number three, Mary Jo's got up here. I think I, I'm not agreeing with this one. She says the tablet PC slash pen computing slash e-books. Now, she says, while there is definitely a vociferous contingent of tablet PC fans out there, the technology has been buggy and more expensive than expected. Now, those two things are definitely true. Many have been disappointed by the kinds of tablet PC form factors, including the new generation of ultra-mobile PCs, a.k.a. origami devices, that have made their way into the market. Um... Yeah, now that's that's true. Now I, I've said on this show lots of times I don't think they've executed well around it, but I do think that the tablet PC and and the ebook format are yet to come into their own. They're just ahead of their time. Um, yeah, and if it weren't for Scoble pimping it so much, it probably wouldn't be as a annoying niggly type uh, issue with Microsoft. But God, he talked about it all the time. <laughs> well, as I said on the show the other day, before he joined Microsoft, he was sort of blogging about he was at NEC blogging about the NEC tablet. So yeah, um, yeah. but look, I you know I generally love my tablet, um, but uh, you know they're, they're they're not perfect, and the probably the biggest disappointment is there's the the application support for them isn't really there. There's not a lot of applications yet that really take advantage of the the pen form factor, which I think has held them back, as well as, you know, the form factors um, have been more expensive and all the sort of stuff that Mary Jo said. Number four she's got down here is spot watches. Who can remember the spot watch? The Smart Personal Object Technology Watch, S-P-O-T. Yes. <laughs> I remember they got all this hype um, when they came out. Now, they're still out in the market, I believe, but... Um, yeah, the idea was these were watches that you'd be able to synchronise your share price and all this kind of stuff to your watch, and your calendar um, from the web would synchronise to the watch. Now but it would send it all over um, radio frequency. They were planning on getting a, or, or did get a particular part of the spectrum so that it would do it just anywhere. Yeah. As long as um, you're in the US. As long as you're in the US, that's right. So we never really got to play with them out here in, in Aussie land. Um, I got some photos of a new one, the uh, Abacus Smartwatch 2006 that Mary Jo is linked to. And, yeah, it pretty much looks dorky. Um, you know, it's it's got a grey screen interface, you know, circa 1997 Palm Pilot. Um, you know, they just they just never really took off. I remember when Scoble got his spot watch, and he was raving about it, uh, and hyping it up, Jesus. and all that kind of stuff. To him. Um, number yeah, five, that one, that one simmered down a little. He stopped talking about that after a while. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, I think the thing that really killed it was when you know no one really cared what their share price was because all the geek share prices were in the toilet. It was like you didn't need it to be updated every 10 seconds on your watch. You'd prefer not to know, in fact. <laughs> um, now, number five, she's got is Microsoft Money. 
If antitrust fears hadn't put the kibosh on Microsoft's plan to buy Intuit back in 1995, Microsoft might have been able to buy Quicken and turn its online banking product into a market leader. Instead, the Red Mondians had to plod along with Microsoft money, which seems to garner more wrath than praise from its users. That's always been one of the products that uh, they never really, never really got there to the top spot, you know, in its in its market sector. Mm. Um, yeah, and so they were going to buy Intuit, but uh, the DOJ back in '95 said no, nah. and uh, that was a shame from a Microsoft perspective. They didn't get to buy that. Um, I've I've tried using Microsoft Money, uh, you know, from time to time over the years, and just never really found it. Even the Australianized version, never really found them useful enough. They never seemed to interface with my bank statements the way that I really wanted, and there was too many steps to, you know, um, what do you call it when you have to reconcile? <laughs> Not that I'm the world's greatest sort of reconciler, anyway. See my office, it looks like a bomb hit it. But anyway, um, number six, she's got DOS 4.0. No Microsoft look back can fail to mention the father of Windows, MS-DOS. Of all the QDOS derivatives, it seemed to be the 4.0 release was the release that Microsoft historians recall as the buggiest nightmare. Released in 1998, MS-DOS 4.0 was based on IBM's code base, not Microsoft, according to the virtual Wikipedia history books. Well, there you go. That sort of explains it then. Uh, number seven, Microsoft TV. Microsoft has taken several stabs at making a go of digital TV space to no avail. Anyone else remember Microsoft Tiger, the company's video-on-demand project launched back in the early 1990s? The company's not throwing in the towel on this one by any means. In fact, Microsoft CEO Steve Barmer recently said he believed IPTV would become one of the key Microsoft stock and profit drivers in the not-too-distant future. Now, I was there when I joined Microsoft just after they acquired Web TV, and one of my first gigs was to go over and meet the Web TV guys in San Jose with the Telstra team, and we were all looking at, you know, sort of doing an Australian Web TV, Telstra, 9MSN, Love In Fest with PBL Online and the whole deal. Um, okay, I'm surprised that nothing's been talked about yet with respect to Xbox 360. I reckon it's a shoe-in. As a disaster? TV. Oh, no, as, a, as a TV platform. Yeah, well, yeah, that, you know, I think that they uh, are sort of close, getting closer and closer as they put the, um, you know, the media centre pack out there for 360. You know, I guess the whole interactive TV, the IPTV stuff, never really uh, was executed well. Now, I, I absolutely believe that you know the PC and the TV are going to be converged devices uh, at some stage. I, you know, I'll, I'd be honest. If you'd asked me six years ago, I would have thought it would have happened by now. And I'm, yeah, and it has, I guess, to an extent with with the media center stuff that's out there. But it's still very early adopter land, obviously. But uh, now with this huge, ex- and see, one of the things that may have held it back, I think, is. All of the bullshit that goes on with the television networks and the studios and all of the DRM discussions and licensing and all this kind of content stuff that holds it back. Now that we're in the era of, you know, citizen media content, I think that could be the thing that drives this forward. Now that people actually have going to have all this freely available stuff that they want to watch... Uh, somebody, you know, the, 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 the 
incentives will be there for them to finally nail the delivery platform for getting this on the big screen in the living room rather than watching it on your PC or iPod, you know. But will it be Microsoft or Apple that delivers this first? Yeah, uh, it's true. Get to be seen. Wow. Hey, Tay. Already in the lead. I'm, I'm recording a show, buddy. Can you try and stop banging that ball on the ground for me? Can you cut it out? Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I know. It's your laser ball. It's fantastic. Um, number eight, Mary Jo's got is the MSNBC partnership, Microsoft slash Microsoft as a content player. Uh, December 2005, Microsoft pulled back from its NBC relationship. But uh, the company is in the midst of hiring bloggers, TV crew members and other media savvy types to build something known as the MSN Media Network. Mm. I heard about that. I think last uh, sometime late last week. Yeah, it's interesting. What have you heard? I just heard that they were sort of similar story to that. Probably a little less information. In fact, so it wasn't really broad. Just talking about them sort of looking at doing some of their own stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think a word about that launched earlier in the year when they said that they were going to rebrand MSN. Oh, no, I think it was it was claimed that they were going to rebrand MSN as the MSN Media Network. But it um, wouldn't surprise me if they're doing something up there around that. Um, yeah, and there was a time, obviously, in the sort of mid-90s uh, when Microsoft decided that it would make sense to launch MSN and get into the content business, and they've tried lots of different things over the years and yeah they had some successes launching Expedia and uh, Slate and some of these titles which ended up getting sold off or spun off um, but never really stuck as being part of the company I'm not really sure whether that was a pure business decision and like they couldn't make money out of those things or they didn't they were created too many conflicts w- with the other media companies when they wanted to have partnerships with a Time Warner or an AOL or something like that Number nine is interesting. She calls it live meeting web conferencing software. I'm still waiting to be bowled over by the need for presence and other always-on technologies. Microsoft Watch readers know I'm no fan of live meeting, but when asking others for input on this list, I wasn't the only one who thought Microsoft's web conferencing product, based on technology it bought from Placeware, has been a disaster. Um, yeah, Blinda was trying to get onto live meeting the other day to watch a work-related webcast and was struggling to get it configured and set up. And you know, I can remember when um, we was we were using Placeware internally at Microsoft a few years ago to do stuff. And I don't know, I still don't see the need for these sorts of apps. But maybe there's more so in the corporate space. You ever use those sorts of web conferencing things and, and had a good experience with them? Uh, it's been a few no, years since I've had to play with them. Not really. Everything we ever did at Say Sun was through those um, big ugly damn boxes that you'd sit on a TV and connect up to like four ISDN lines and get charged a fortune for the damn stuff. Yeah. Um, but nobody ever really moved to the web-based sort of apps because, yeah, they're just too kludgy. Yeah. And uh, number 10 she's got is no Microsoft Linux. Microsoft could have and should have done its own version of Linux. It could have bought a Linux distro vendor or just christened some branch of Windows with some Unix compatibility add-ons as Microsoft Linux. By doing this, Microsoft could have thrown a real monkey wrench into Linux companies' plans. Instead, Microsoft continues to spend lots of money, time and attention fighting open source software on a whole host of fronts. They should have joined the camp rather than obsessing on beating them. 
So that's an interesting list from Mary Jo. I think the Linux one is, you know, a lot of people have said that over the years. And it's crazy because the Microsoft motto used to be embrace and extend, you know. Um, but they never really did that with Linux for some reason that I don't know. So what did you think about those, mate? You don't care because you're a Mac guy and a Sun guy and it's just all, you know, uninteresting to you. Ah, you know, interesting. I, I haven't really thought about what I would have thought were the worst ones. There was a couple in there that were a bit lame, but uh, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of other really cool ones, but no, I haven't spent the time worrying about it. All right, so why don't you tell me about something that uh, has taken your interest since we last did a show last Wednesday, buddy? Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, the the thing that has really caught my interest, because um, I, I guess a, num- a couple of different reasons behind it, is on TechCrunch. What date was it? June 16. So what was that? Friday or something? Yeah. Um, Marshall Kirkpatrick posted a note onto TechCrunch talking about, well, actually, the, the title was Why is Flickr Afraid of Zoom? And uh, for those people that don't know, Flickr is a photo sharing application that Yahoo bought last year uh, and I wrote a book about. And Zoomer is an application that, uh, a, I'll say a young guy, I think he, he's either late teens, early 20s, had sort of built um, <laughs> kind of thing just for fun. But as it turned out, it was a, a really good application. Not that I've actually used it in, in great earnest, but anyway... Um, according to the story, um, Flickr is afraid of Zoomer because um, when Zoomer is asked if Flickr will allow them to um, uh, import or, or will Flickr export all of their photos so that Zoomer can import them all into their tool, the response apparently was... Uh, which choose not to support use of the API for sites that are straight alternative to Flickr. Um, and apparently in a, a post to the Flickr forum, um, Stuart Butterfield, the, the email is from Stuart Butterfield as well, who's one of the founders, um, he said, why should we burn bandwidth and CPU cycles sending stuff directly to their servers? So, so anyway... The uh, the interesting part, well, I mean, one of the interesting parts is should a new Web 2.0 company do that type of thing um, or is it, you know, um, shooting itself in the foot by doing so? Um, but the other interesting thing is the amount of posts and, and some fairly cluey uh, people actually commenting on this post and, and having a go at uh, the actual article itself. And Stuart Butterfield even wades in to have a chat. It looks like Stuart sort of changed uh, his mind. I think self-confessed that he probably thinks a little bit more differently about it now, although he vehemently disagrees with the way the article was written because apparently what they say is um, we won't... Uh, or, or the new stance, at least, is we will allow competitors to interface with us to transfer, you know, the photos, etc., etc., as long as that competing product also has an open API, so that you know the reciprocal can happen. 
which I think's a uh, pretty interesting and smart response. Um, but anyway, there's this whole thread of conversations between people um, having a discussion about the merits and, and uh, you know, it, it's similar to the Web 2.0 response in that, you know, some uh, some fairly heated discussions kind of happen. But I think near the end, um, Stuart uh, actually apologises for sort of being, what's he say, for the record I would have strongly preferred to have the conversation offline or at least discussed it beforehand. Having said that I definitely <laughs> regret how out of hand it got and some of the venomous and uh, with which I stated my p- position. I apologise to Mike, uh, Mike Harrington who runs um, TechCrunch and want to make it clear that I don't think Mike is a bad person or TechCrunch as it uh, is itself bad, but this particular post is really unfair and unreasonable. And uh, at one point, Michael Arrington says, Note to self, don't fuck with Flickr, ever. (laughs) (laughs) And Now, the thing that these guys probably didn't realise, and I know quite well from doing a lot of study of Flickr, is that Everybody in Flickr, every every employee who works on Flickr is passionate and they've thought about everything, especially when it comes to their users. And the only reason why certain things haven't happened is A, they probably haven't got around to doing it yet, or B, it just, you know, it's, it's not really that worthwhile for the people that are using it. Uh, I've spoken to Stuart and he's a really nice guy and so, uh, you know, I believe that uh, they all have the very good intentions and even this sort of shows that, you know, he's willing to to change his mind when he realises there's probably a better position to take. Um, But, yeah, fascinating from a couple of perspectives, I thought. Yeah. No, it sounds like they're going to do it as well, as you say. So, um, you know, I I think that uh, Dave Weiner wrote a post today talking about it being all about the user dummy and I guess that's sort of one of the central tenets of the Web 2.0 meme, isn't it? It'll give you the users control of their content, which means letting them, uh, you know, point to it from yeah, other sites. And, and Stuart said in one of his um, comments that, you know, they had a big discussion about it and, you know, the within Flickr and the the responses varied, but one of the responses was, no, nah, bugger it, let, let them, you know, do whatever they want because if we do the better service, they'll stay with us anyway. And that's what every customer wants. You know, they, they want to be able to be treated well and with respect and be able to choose themselves. And if you do all of that right, then you'll stick with them. You'll be yeah. loyal. Yeah. Very good. Um, other big news in the last few days. I think it's big. I'm not sure. Uh, Netscape has uh, been rejigged uh, by Jason Calacanis. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't him that did it, was it? That's amazing. Uh, I think so. I think this has been Jason's secret project. Um, so you find it at www.beta.netscape.com and uh, they've basically turning it into a dig-style site where people get to vote on stories... Uh, that they find interesting. So that's just going to be another uh, one. So w- what did you think of it? Have you had a look? Yeah, I've got it open in front of me now. And look, I'm, I'm not a big reader of uh, Dig either, i got to confess. I've been in and out of it a few times. And, you know, um, I like the idea, though, of... Now, I believe what they're doing with this is they're going to have some 
real or they do have some real sort of editors and people, professionals in the background that are sort of monitoring this stuff and somehow guiding it. But, um, you know, I like the idea of having sites where the stories that are the most relevant or the most popular rise to the top out of a whole bunch of consumer-based stuff and um, professionally written stuff. But I don't know. I, I, I guess what I really want is a site or a service that enables me to custom my own news to the greatest possible extent. And no one's really done that yet. You know, I've got Google alerts in my RSS feeds built around keywords that I'm interested in, and yeah, and I've you know, and then I read tech meme to see what everyone else is talking about, and I, I still have to go to like three or four places, and I'm I'm waiting for someone to sort of pull it all together into one sort of spot, who can do like a Technorati style search on blog posts talking about my favourite subjects, pull that into a view, along with mainstream news stories about those same subjects, along with sort of headline global world-breaking news, you know, country X has invaded country Y, along with, uh, you know, what are the most popular stories in the geekosphere, and pull it all together into sort of one spot that's easy to access, easy to customise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I wouldn't mind it if you tried out something. I think it's called a Tensor. I'm just having a look, see if I can find it. It's an aggregator. You can't run it on Mac, so that's why I haven't tried it. Um, but it monitors what um, posts you look at and click on, etc., and, and therefore um, customises it, customizes it a bit further down the line as it'll highlight things that it thinks you're going to be more interested in and stuff like that. But I haven't haven't been able to play with it. Uh, Have you got the URL? I'm just going to go find it. I think it's a tensor. www.tensor. A double T E N S A dot com. A double T E N S A dot com. Business class RSS readers at a tensor. Get a tensor for Outlook 1.2. The intelligent RSS reader for Outlook. Yeah. Well, I don't use Outlook anymore. Ah, okay. Fair enough. I'll have a look at it later. Yeah, I just haven't been able to play with it and see whether or not it actually works and and does this smart stuff that it claims that that it can do. So uh, Mm. be interested to know. I'm hungry. What time is it there? 11 a.m. Haven't you had breakfast? Nah. Trying to lose weight. Nah. I came back from hospital you know, the other night and uh, ate a whole tub of uh, Homer Hudson Hoboken Crunch ice cream. <laughs> yeah, good, good way to lose weight, that. <laughs> And my diet had been really good all week. I'd been really, you know, really keeping my kilojoule levels down to about 3,000, 3,300 a day. And then I just went, oh, screw it. And <laughs> 8,000 kilojoules in this one small tub of ice cream. <laughs> Can I just have a rant for a second on something? Serving sizes. Now, this has pissed me off for a long time. But I got, I, it's just been front of mind for me recently. I'm trying to get Jeremy Zordney 
um, Zawodny on the show to talk about. Um, have you seen his stuff about his weight loss program? Jeremy no, over at Yahoo. Who is he? You know, Jeremy at Yahoo, one of the key geek bloggers at Yahoo. No. Uh, anyway, he's um, he's written quite a series of good blog posts recently about how he uh, put himself on a diet, basically similar to what I've been doing over the last five years on and off, where he has a spreadsheet, tracks all of the calories that he eats every day and figures out you know, how many calories he needs to eat in a day in order to be losing weight without doing anything dramatically different in his lifestyle. And over the last uh, 12 months, I think he's lost something like 50 pounds or something like that. So he's it's lost about 20 kilos, I think. So he, you know, he's done well, done very well. And he's put all the graphs and the charts and the spreadsheets and everything up on his blog. And I was talking to him about it. He's going to come on the show maybe this week, I think. We're trying to lock it in a time and talk about it. But um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so serving sizes. So, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've been back, you know, looking very carefully at the supermarket on the sides of every packet, what it's got in it, kilojoules, fat, percentage of kilojoules that come from fat, because that's one of the most important metrics, people. Don't forget that. You know, you see these products that say less than 10% fat. Bullshit. 100% sugar. Well, even if it's not that, if you look at, you know, uh, the, you get about 37 kilojoules from every gram of fat. So if you have a product, for example, that is a thousand kilojoules per serving, and it says that it has 10 grams of fat, Per serving, that's 370 kilojoules per serving coming from fat, which is you know somewhere between sort of you know 40 percent. About 40 percent of it of each serving is coming from fat, and obviously the the way that the body consumes kilojoules from fat is different from the way the body consumes kilojoules coming from fiber or something else. It it has the body has to use more energy to break down a gram of fiber than it does to break down a gram of fat. Therefore, the net kilojoule balance that you have after breaking down a gram of fiber or a gram of fat is different. Anyway. So, but I'm getting, I'm looking at these Yoplait light yogurts. Now, you know the size of a yogurt, right? It's about two inches high. And I, I look on the side and it says, oh, you know, there's about 340 kilojoules. I go, that's per serving. I go, that's cool. You know, that's fine. I, I'll have one of these for my dessert. After dinner, 340 kilojoules. You know, it's, it's not a lot of fat in it, less than 0.1 gram of fat, so that's all right. But, you know, you also got to watch your kilojoule levels as well, obviously, in a day. But then after I'd been eating them for about a week, I happened to be looking at the side of the packet more closely one night and noticed that it says, number of servings per tub, two. <laughs> really? I'm like, fuck off. It's like, uh, you know, you only have two tablespoon mouth, there are two mouthfuls in one of these tubs. They're going, oh yeah, mouthful, yeah, that's a serving, yeah, that's a serving, yeah, sure. Um, this, it's just ridiculous. There should be some sort of, uh, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't believe in over regulation, but <laughs> there should be some way, uh, some standards to make a serving actually a realistic serving. The other one that, made me laugh and also pissed me off the other day is I'm pouring some um, Weight Watchers cereal. They have these Weight Watchers cereals. And I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of cereal. Um, 
And I go, oh, I'll, I'll measure it out properly according to the serving size in the box so then I know when I'm doing my spreadsheet how many kilojoules I'm getting in a serving. So it says a serving is 30 grams of this, of this muesli, this Weight Watchers muesli. 30 grams. So I get my little digital scales out, put the bowl on, get it to zero, start pouring in this cereal. I swear to God, it had barely covered the bottom of the bowl. So you couldn't see the white of the ceramic anymore of the china. And it goes, yeah, that's 30 grams. And I said, oh, no. I showed Belinda. I go, look at this. This is a serving size. And she's like, get out of here. It had barely covered the bottom of the bowl. Yeah, that's a serving. And then you got to add, uh, you got to add some milk. I, I use milk. rice milk. I add a bit of rice milk in, but I don't drink, you know, cow's milk with my cereal or anything. But it, it's, it's like, it's just ridiculous. It's not a serving. It's, it was literally, when I ate it, three spoonfuls of food. I, I cleaned the bowl in three spoons. I always look at the, the hundred, you know, so it gives it out of yeah. hundred grams or whatever it is, just so I can work out the percentage, but. Um, so are you doing any exercise? Well, I can't. I, I broke my foot, as you know, and oh, and the doctors right. told me I have to. I can't do anything. So, I've got a, uh, you know, I've got a uh, one of these exercise balls, and I do some stuff on that, but not often enough. But um, and now I'm not supposed to strain my eye, and you know, when you're doing weights or sit-ups on a ball, you sort of push at your eye, and my eye could pop out and roll across the floor if I do that at the moment. So, yeah, I'm falling to bits, man. Um. Because I've just started running again, which is bloody awful for my knees. But I've decided to bugger it. I'm, I'm just fuck my knees. Otherwise, I just keep making excuses. So I'm started to run again, and and uh, I've got a little bit of money because it's my birthday on uh, this Saturday coming Saturday. This We've Saturday coming. Money. Hmm. You're yeah, going to be having I your birthday so. in the US. Yeah, yeah, I am. Who uh, gives you uh, money for your birthday? You're, you're 35. Yeah. <laughs> Who my gives you and my in-laws? They give you money for your birthday. Well, I, think, I think because they, they realise that they, they can't possibly figure out. Although all I need is well, see, even iTunes music stores out now because I buy it all through all of MP3. Um, so they just figure that our uh, bagger will just give them some money. But I'm going to get the uh, Nike Plus set up. Oh, you're not! What a waste am, of mate. money! Get that's out such, of here! That's such a you, waste you, of money. Here you are counting fucking calories and bullshit like that. And and you're telling me that Nike Plus is a waste of time. For a runner, it's fabulous, man. No, it it's keeps track of your running, so you know whether you're improving, and it gives you a rundown. And ah, oh, mate, it's awesome. Mate, if if you can if you can run around the block without falling over dead, you're making an improvement. You you don't need some piece of fancy technology to tell you that you're getting better. Come on. No, it's motivation. <laughs> What's motivation? It's motivation. So you see that you're improving. In what That's why you keep spreadsheets, fatty. <laughs> yeah, I don't. How much are you spending on the Nike bloody running outfit? Uh, what does it work out to be? The shoes are about eighty-five US bucks. The the kits are about twenty-nine US bucks, and then you need an iPod Nano, which my wife's got one, but I'm thinking of getting my own because that's a decent excuse. <laughs> uh, alright, okay Well you'll have to give us a review when you get them You're picking them up in the US? Yeah, because you can't get them down here So uh, I thought I'd pick them up while I was there And uh, probably use it for a month and then stop running again Excellent, excellent 
That'll be, and they can go out, <laughs> they can join the, the gym. I said to Blinder the other day, you know, I'm going to, uh, when, I, when I have some money again, if I ever have money again, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get one of those, you know, weight gym things, self-contained things and stick it in the garage. And she said, yeah. you, you'll use it like once and that'll be it. You'll never use it again. I go, no, no, really, I'm, I'm going to use it. She goes, but it's cold in the garage. There's no TV to watch. And I said, oh, no, I've got my iPod. Got my video iPod. I don't need TV anymore. I can watch uh, Rocket Boom <laughs> on my TV. I can watch the Suicide Girls video podcast out there. Um, so I've got some glasses now you can hook up to those things and watch them in the glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good spend. Uh <laughs> Anyway, um, oh, Marcus Friend. You know your mate Marcus? Marcus Fish. Marcus Friend. Apparently, he's posted a photo of his most recent Google AdSense check. He did, yeah. I, uh, I blogged about it the other week. He, um, it was two months worth of... Let me just see if I can find what I post about, because then we can uh, talk I've about got how it. much money he had. It was two months, because apparently they missed one month's worth of uh, <laughs> payment. $885,273.71 US. Yeah, and that's, so that's for two months. Two months earning. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's just ridiculous. What the hell? Yep. That's just crazy. No way. That's good, uh, isn't it? No, that's... It's, that's... <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. I'm absolutely flabbergasted that he's making that amount of money. What the hell? 5.4 million if he sustained that over a year. So he's just made I'm actually, I'm actually meeting, meeting him at, uh, he's going to supernova. So, uh, Clay and I are going to connect with him and hopefully he buys the beers. So he's just made a million bucks. Almost a million bucks in two months from AdSense. Hmm. What the hell? And it's just a personal site, plentyoffish.com. Yeah. Is there anything special about it at all? It's free. If I mean, basically, comparing it to the other personal sites, the dating and all that kind of stuff, it's one of the only free ones in the world, or the only free one in the world. Really? Hmm. So are there like another um, hundred of these now? What's that? Are they like, is people going to set up another hundred of these now? <laughs> well, that's it, right? People will do now they've seen the check. Um, I mean, he says that he can get away with it because, you know, he's the only one doing it. He's only got like four or five servers running um, and a bunch of other reasons why it's um, doing so well, including the fact that it looks like crap. He says is one of, uh, one of the reasons why it does so good. But... Um, I'm not sure about the latter, but yeah, uh, quite impressive numbers there. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if somebody goes off and builds another twenty or thirty of these. <laughs> and it's got yeah, some unbelievable money. I think the other secret to success is some of the really classy women um, advertising. I've got one ad here. Uh, she goes by the name of Katie Catty Baby eighteen. Um, Wanting a fucked up crazy time is uh, the uh, subject line of her ad. It says, I myself cuss too much, love to party, don't get to do it enough, and drink the hard shit, get a little bitchy, but I'm also a lot of fun and really nice when you get down to it. I'm looking Meadowvale, Ontario. So there you go. If you're in Ontario, check out 
catty baby because she uh, wants a fucked up crazy time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just reading another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, fantastic um, theory of setting it up. And the, the reason why I think, well, apparently, because I thought, oh, yeah, probably his click-through rate is through the roof because, you know, when people are looking on these websites, they've got a specific purpose in mind. So when you see an AdSense for, you know, well, I've got one here, Speed Dating, Australia's largest single site, search by interest, location and age. Yeah. Oh, if you're looking for someone... You figure you'd go, yeah, I'll go and have a look at that site as well. What the hell? So I thought his click-through rate would be high. But according to him, it's actually very low. It's like below 80 cents um, CPM, which is incredibly low when you compare it to some of these guys. You speak to Darren Rouse, a pro blogger, and he'll you know, tell you that it's a few bucks or something like that. And uh, so it's actually got bugger all to do with, you know, a good click-through rate. That, you know, it's, it's just literally to do with how many visitors he gets to his site. And he's um, pretty well up there, like, you know, one of the number one um, dating sites, definitely in Canada. Uh, I know he's got an international user base, but uh, certainly huge in Canada. Man, a million bucks in two months from AdSense. I'm... Uh <coughs> I'm just absolutely flabbergasted. Absolutely flabbergasted. I'm depressed. i got to go. I was depressed enough when we started this. Now I'm even more depressed. <laughs> well, have a uh, good trip, Rich. Thanks, Enjoy, mate. Enjoy your time in the US. <coughs> Make sure you spend some of that money on a little portable um, recording setup. Um, so we can chat to people? Yeah. And, I'm going to uh, take my headphone set and see if I can tee up a couple of chats. Yeah, do some interviews when you're over there. Catch up with the troops. Say good day to Buzz Brugman for me, my buddy. I will. And uh, when are you back? Uh, hit Australian shores on the 4th of July. All right. Well, have a good one, buddy. I'll talk to you while you're away. Yeah, we will. See if we can hook up a chat at some point as well. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do any G'day Worlds while Rich is away, people. I probably will. I'll probably get just shitloads of guests on. and uh, But I don't know. But anyway, so hang in. Look at the site. Stay in tune. Go to the new forums. Oh, vote for us on uh, Podcast Daily. Do me a favour. I, mean, I spent last... Well, I did when I got up at midnight last night and I couldn't sleep. I went through the, the top 20 shows on Podcast Daily and had a look at what they were doing. Did some yeah. in-depth analysis on the top 20 shows this month so far on Podcast Alley. Uh, yeah, apparently... Talking about Harry Potter is a good thing. A lot of people like <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, but, uh, yeah, but we, and, and all of them have big vote for us now on Podcast Alley badges all over the front of their site. And I was thinking we should, we should do some more. Get the, get the people. See, we don't ask you to pay for this show, folks. We, we spend time and money doing this. All we ask is that you go vote for us on Podcast Alley. That's the, that is your payment to us. Unless you're a good bloke like Anthony Harris, who does actually pay us to do the show. Thank you, Tony. But, um, yeah, go, go up and vote for us on Podcast Alley. That, you know, if we can get into the top sort of 50, other people will see, discover the site, discover the show. We get more listeners, which means one day we might actually make a dollar out of this thing, which means I won't have to, uh, you know, start drinking metho siphon through a loaf of bread, living on a park bench. At some stage in the near future. All right, that's all we ask. You'll, you'll see the link up on our site. Go to Podcast Daily, G'day World, look for G'day World on Podcast Daily. Give us a vote.
All right. Enough said. Rant over. See you, Rich. (laughs) See you, mate. But much more difficult to do Cause I could hope and pray But never find another you From the producers of the Tartan Podcast And the Old Film Podcast Comes a new podcast For your Monday mornings The Podcast Network is proud to present The Mellow Monday Show Music with the vibe and the atmosphere and the mood that you need on a Monday morning. The Mellow Monday Show, only on the Podcast Network. Visit mellowmonday.thepodcastnetwork.com.